The Bible Study Podcast, episode 559. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of the kings of Israel and Judah with 1 Kings 17. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. I told you that one of the great conflicts in the book of First and Second Kings was going to be between the kings, especially the kings of Israel, and the prophets. And today we're going to pay off on that because we're introducing Elijah the prophet. Elijah announces a great drought. Now, Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, as the Lord, the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. That is perhaps one of the best introductions of a person. If this was literature, it would be up there with Call Me Ishmael, but this is really the first thing that we get in the Bible in terms of Elijah jumping onto the scene here. And remember the reason for that is Ahab, king of Israel, is not just a bad king, but he is the worst yet so far, in a line of bad kings, in part because he marries into somebody who is a Canaanite and he adopts the Canaanite religion that starts to worship Baal and Asherah and starts to do it in the open, right down in the city, not these idols up in the high places like his predecessors. And so God says, okay, we're going to deal with this and we're going to deal with this head on, and he sends a drought There's going to be consequences for the actions of Ahab. And Elijah has the pleasure of announcing them. And I say the pleasure, but you can imagine that this is not going to make him popular. So the next two sections here are going to be Elijah running for his life. Elijah fed by ravens. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine east of Jordan and stayed there. The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. Now this is pretty cool. Basically, God is caring for Elijah because God is about the big things, like what Israel is doing, but God doesn't forget the small things, like the guy he sent to tell them what he was doing. So he is caring for Elijah in this very personal fashion. And I think that's interesting in this story, because there's this contrast between great big things that are going on and tiny personal stories. And we'll see that in these sections, it's going to kind of jump between one and the other, what's going on in Elijah's life, as well as what's going on in the kingdom. And right now the kingdom is going through this terrible drought. And it continues on, Elijah and the widow at Zarephath. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him, go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I've directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so that I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, And bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. 
I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, Don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me. Then make something for yourself and your son, for this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. The jar of flour will not be used up, and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family, for the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So God has hidden Elijah in the wilderness, literally sending birds to give him provisions. And then he is by this brook, but the brook dries up because God has sent a drought. And so he sends him away. He sends him out of Israel, out of Judah, to the Phoenicians, basically, to the Sidonites, and to this town and to this widow. And when Elijah comes upon the widow, he says, can I have a drink? She says, sure. And he says, can you make me a piece of bread? Can you bring me a piece of bread? And she says, basically, we've got one meal left, and that's it, and that we're going to die. Because with the drought had come famine. And Elijah says, this hard, hard thing, I know you don't have much left, but can you bring me some bread first and then make some for you and your son? And I promise you, you won't run out of supplies. That little amount of flour will always be enough. That little amount of oil will always be enough. And she does it. She makes a meal for Elijah of her last amount of flour and olive oil. And yet it turns out not to be her last amount, right? It it turns out to be enough. Now, there's a couple interesting things in the story. One interesting thing about this story is that it will be used later on by Jesus, and he'll use this as he is first starting his public ministry to talk about a prophet is not accepted in his hometown. No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. So that's the first thing is that Jesus uses this to talk about how many of the prophets were rejected by their people. And where it's still in the beginning of that story here, we're going to see more prophets and more prophets are going to be killed. We've had one killed off so far in First Kings, but he won't be the last one. The other interesting thing they've always thought about this story and ones like it is God could have had a bread truck break down and a whole bunch of bread show up and a whole bunch of flour show up and a whole bunch of oil show up. But he doesn't do that. He just has this small amount that keeps lasting. It's sort of like the manna in the wilderness. There was always enough for today, but you can't save it for tomorrow. And I remember seeing this when I was in a Christian ministry in college, which had no visible means of support. There was no dues. There was no offering ever given. And we always had enough money to do whatever we needed, and we never had extra. And it was similar to this, that God always provided. There was always some alumni 
member who thought of us at the time that we needed amount of money and wrote us a check that happened to be for the amount of money that we needed, even though we weren't asking. And I've seen God do that sort of thing like he's doing here with this widow, where it's the, almost this constant testing of faith. In the wilderness, we see that some people went out and they said, well, we're not sure that's going to show up tomorrow. So they tried to gather more manna, even though they were told it wouldn't work and it turned wormy. Because they wanted to not have God provide their daily bread, but wanted for God to have them win the lottery. You know, Lord, wouldn't it be easier if you if I won the lottery and then you don't have to worry about me again? I can take care of myself. But what's important to God is not what's important to us. What's important to God is that relationship and that relationship that is built on faith that faith that every day going to the pantry and taking out the jar of flour and the jar of oil and knowing there's enough, there's enough for today, helps build that faithful relationship. The story goes on, though. It says, Sometime later, the son of the woman who owned the house became ill. He grew worse and worse and finally stopped breathing. She said to Elijah, What do you have against me, man of God? Did you come to remind me of my sin and kill my son? Give me your son, Elijah replied. He took him from her arms, carried him to the upper room where he was staying, and laid him on his bed. Then he cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, have you brought tragedy even on this widow I am staying with by causing her son to die? Then he stretched himself out on the boy three times and cried out to the Lord, Lord my God, let this boy's life return to him. The Lord heard Elijah's cry, and the boy's life returned to him, and he lived. Elijah picked up the child and carried him down from the room into the house. He gave him to his mother and said, Look, your son is alive. Then the woman said to Elijah, Now I know that you are a man of God, and that the word of the Lord from your mouth is the truth. This is an amazing story, and this is some place where I feel like my faith falls short. Right? I'm not, I don't have this faith of Elijah and that's one of the reasons we remember Elijah, is the faith of Elijah. This is not the only story that we will see about the great faith of Elijah and how much God is listening to this man, this righteous man of God. But the other amazing thing here is she has been eating for I don't know how many days now from one day's provision, and it has lasted and lasted and lasted, but now she believes that he is a man of God. It's like, really? Really? Now you believe? How about the fact that you didn't die of starvation a while ago? And yet, are we any different? Do we sometimes need to be slapped upside of the head because we don't believe when there is plenty of evidence? When we fail to see the obvious around us of the workings of God in our lives or in the lives of those around us? And I do wonder... I feel like I relate more in this story to that woman than I do to the man of God. But this is just the beginning of the story of Elijah. We'll hear more about him and his interactions with the king. And next week is one of those stories why I wanted to do this study. So come back for that. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. 
you want to better understand the Bible and give biblical answers to those who ask you about your faith? Hi, this is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Podcast Show. Listen to us weekly as we bring the truth often found in the ivory towers of seminary down to the steeple towers of local church. Join me along with many of the nation's top theologians as we offer answers to life tough questions from an apologetic perspective. Subscribe to the show at lifeaudio.com.